Welcome to day 12 in Genesis chapter 12 in season 2 of Shaped by the Word. We've entitled this season The Drama of Scripture, and we come to a very significant place in the drama of Scripture. We began in Genesis chapter 1 with creation, uh, the beauty of God's provision for a place where we could know Him, love Him, serve Him, and thrive under His rule. And then we quickly rejected Him, and as soon as we rejected Him, the entire world um, succumbed to the chaos of sin. So the next few chapters get increasingly ugly and increasingly hard to live with, and you see the consequences of sin. You see two acts of judgment. Uh, one is a complete decreation where the waters that God had separated deluge the earth and wipe out almost every living creature, although God has preserved a remnant for himself. And then you see a people building a city for themselves and for their own name and for their own reputation, and God in judgment scattering them and confusing their languages so that they would not look to themselves but ultimately would look to God. So as you describe the whole flow of the drama of Scripture, uh, you know, Act 1 would be creation, Act 2 fall, Act 3 would be where we start today where God initiates his plan for redemption through the person of Abraham. So we pick up in Genesis chapter 12. Before we do, Matt, why don't you lift us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace we have in Christ Jesus, and, and we thank you that you are a God who initiates, a God who seeks, a God who pursues. And, and as we um, dive into um, Genesis chapter 12, and, and we're reminded of your pursuit of Abraham and, and through Abraham, uh, your pursuit to, to bring a blessing to the nations, um, ultimately through Christ Jesus. Father, would our hearts be encouraged. Um, Father, use your word to transform us into the image of Christ. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. That time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was so severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you my sister, so that I'll be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram 
to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and with everything that he had. So you have two panels in this passage. One is a panel that demonstrates great faith as uh, God instructs Abram to go to a land that he will show him and he uproots everything and he goes. And then, of course, the second panel is when he panics and fails to trust God to protect him and devises his own plan, which compromises uh, the plan of God. But God, in spite of Abram's unfaithfulness, is faithful in keeping his promise to him. So what are some of the things that stick out as you read this passage? And of course, uh, those you know, first three verses will be the verses that are kind of the heart of the story that unfolds from here, how God will bless Abraham and how he'll make him into a great nation. And the purpose of that nation is not simply to enjoy the blessing of God, but to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth in giving God's redemption and his glory. So it's kind of the purpose that you have in Genesis, mm -hmm. that they would reflect his heart and character, steward his resources, and, and spread his glory you know, throughout the face of the earth. I love, I think it's, I think it's Walter Kaiser calls this the promise plan of God. You know, but yeah. this, this becomes the programmatic you know, plan of God unfolding mm -hmm. throughout the rest of scripture where he, he shows up to Abram and says, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. You know, and and we get this kind of threefold promise, you know, that I will give you great offspring, I will I give you land, you know, and you'll be kind of this universal blessing to the nations will come through your line. Um, but I love the emphasis on um, what God will do. You know, it says, I think it's five or six times, I will, I will, I will, I will. And even when you kind of get through this string of God saying, I will do all these things, you know, he shows up, and the Canaanites are in the land. He says, and I'm going to give you this land. I, you know, Again, God re reiterating right. what he will do. And the constant refrain of, of I will reminds us that you know God's work in our life is based not on what we do for God, but for what God has done for us. And our lives are a response to the wonderful grace that he has given us and what a gracious move he has made toward uh, Abram. We know nothing about Abram. We know his heritage. We know he's coming from, you know, a very sophisticated, easy for me to say, <laughs> yeah. sophisticated city-state. Mm -hmm. uh, he uproots in that, and he goes, you know, into a, a wilderness. He lives in a tent, you know, following God. Uh, but uh, God has been gracious to him in, in this plan. So he offers him a seed, he offers him a land, and he offers him a heritage. Mm -hmm. And we often describe, you know, the plan of God as, you know, God ruling over God's people and God's place, and this is initially where we see that. You know, God's people being uh, the descendants of Abraham and God's place, the land that he will give them. And of course, the land like Eden will be a place where he lives in their midst and where they can know, love, and serve him uh, for his glory and for the joy of the nations. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting as well, all these promises that, that God is speaking of towards Abraham are, I mean, these are completely undeserved promises that that he's being given and that he's he's um hearing you know like we i think we read in we were reading joshua that even abram had worshiped other gods right you know so he it wasn't because he had earned these things but this is the the grace and, and the compassion of god towards abram and, and then his people israel and even all the promises we've received in christ as well are those undeserved graciously given promises yeah. no and that's the order of the gospel the gospel is never uh, that we work in order to achieve god's grace uh, our works flow out of our response to god's grace and our gratitude to for what he has done so it's not you know abram you do these things and i will bless you i will bless you and, and you'll see the unfolding plan of god you know as he unfolds how abraham should respond to him and, and to his grace 
And actually, my thoughts turn to the New Testament, and um, as I read that first verse, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you, that I think of Second Corinthians 2, 8, and 9, where Paul would talk about how Christ left, you know, the the riches of his father's house. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of a... For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that for your sakes he became poor. Yeah. So that you through his poverty might become rich. Or, you know, even Philippians, uh, your heart should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something he had to hold on to, but he emptied himself and took on the form of the servant and became obedient even to death on a cross. So you do see, you know, you do see this in, in Christ. He left the comfort of heaven in order to invade our time and space and uh, to redeem us mm-hmm. as well. This is also, you know, this is also the call, you know, that uh, Christ makes to us. If anyone, uh, you know, would come after Him, we need to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow Him, forsaking family, forsaking even our own life. And so you kind of see Abraham taking this early step of discipleship, mm-hmm. trusting God in His provision and, and forsaking all else for the sake of God. And even in that discipleship that we see in Abraham, it's not that he does it perfectly right we see in verse four so abraham went and you're like oh my gosh like this might be this great man of faith and and he is in many ways but then we see so quickly that he's just like us right he uh he has this kind of fear of of what's going to go what's going to happen and maybe kind of a fear of man more than a fear towards this god who's making these promises to him we'll we'll see several you know new starts in scripture we've seen one you know through Mm -hmm. noah and we quickly realize that uh, even that new start will be stained by sin and by shame. Mm-hmm. And then we see, you know, a new start here with Abram, and even even that uh, will be a moment where he he does not trust God, and and where his faith fails, and where he risks everything if not for the intervention of God. Uh, all the purposes of God would have been lost in in Egypt. And, and of course, part of that promise was, "I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse." And you you do see him doing that to Pharaoh. You do see him bringing about curses on Pharaoh, uh, mm-hmm. which you know causes Pharaoh to relinquish you know the prize that he has found in Sarah and to relinquish everything that he has has given. So it's even kind of a foreshadowing of what will happen uh, later in the story when we get to the book of Exodus, where Pharaoh. And the Egyptians will be uh, come under the judgment of God, the curse of God, the plagues of God. Uh, they will be released, and the nation of Israel will be enriched in the process. You know, as they are driven, as they are driven out of the land. So, you see a little bit foreshadowing mm-hmm. um, of the Exodus event in this as well. Mm-hmm. And I do love how God has has and will and always is able to protect his promises so even in our unfaithfulness he remains faithful no. and true so his, his promises will always uh, will always flow from his faithfulness rather than ours yeah. mm-hmm. and it's always in spite of our lack of faithfulness that God is continually faithful to his word mm-hmm. and he ultimately finds the faithful covenant partner not in Abraham not in Israel not in no, not in us, mm-hmm. uh, but in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. one who was completely obedient and humbled himself, you know, at the point of death. I like, you know, the the movement, you know, from the promise of God to the altar of God, uh, and you have that, you know, in mm-hmm. the first two places that, uh, you know, that Abram locates himself, uh, that he pauses there and builds an altar, and so the grace of God has has moved us, you know, has moved him to the worship of God, which certainly it should as well. 
And then as he moves into the Negev, there's, there is the, an absence of him stopping you know, to build an altar. And so rather than trusting God, he is trusting himself as he moves into the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, just a couple of verses later in chapter 13, after this kind of failure of Abraham, or Abram at the time, he's going to be brought back to the altar, that altar you know, that he first built. Um, and so mm-hmm. again, you see that that move from the promises of God to the to the worship of God, yeah, and, from the rescue of God yeah. uh, once more, mm-hmm. or from you know from the initial rescue of God. And uh, you see the, the beauty of that. But you're right, uh, Matt's gotten us a little bit ahead into next week's. So we we'll leave you, hang, we'll leave you, we we'll leave <laughs> yeah. you hanging for Friday. But after this experience, the first thing he'll do is go back and reestablish that altar. Uh, and the worship yeah. you know, mm-hmm. of the Lord, and That's that is a, is a great mm-hmm. move as well. Mm-hmm. But this, I mean, this chapter is such a foundational chapter for the rest of Scripture. You know, that mm-hmm. it, it's so easy to read this as just promises made long ago to Abram, and you know, now we've received better promises in, in Jesus, and so we should just read the New Testament and miss out on all the joy that's found in, in these promises. I mean, this is our story as well, that these promises yeah. to Abraham are fulfilled in, in Christ, and we should see those, but yeah, as we read through Genesis and we we see this plan beginning to unfold and God saying, you know, from you this offspring will come. We've already been tracing that offspring from the line yeah. of the woman and and from the line of the woman, you know, that that's this offspring and and it's leading us to Jesus. And so we have to see ourselves in this story if yeah, we're the, going to understand what's uh, happening. This is, you know, this is ultimately the promise of Jesus and it is built as you said on the two foundational promises the one in genesis 3 as soon as we push god out of his life in his judgment you know of the serpent he spoke of uh the serpent uh, having enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent and the serpent striking a wound or hitting the heel of the seed of the woman but a seed of the woman would come who would strike a decisive blow to the head of the serpent and then of course you see the promise and and in Noah, that God will withhold judgment until its proper time, mm-hmm. as long as seed time and harvest remain. Uh, it's not that He will not judge, but in His patience, He's allowing His plan of redemption to unfold and giving people everywhere a chance to repent and, and, and turn to Him. So it is a, a fantastic story that builds here. And of course, we are all the peoples of the earth that are blessed through Him and the ultimate blessing that would come through Abraham. Uh, not the nation of Israel, but the true Israelite, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're the ones who've received that blessing. And with it, Paul you know, reminds us in Romans chapter 8, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him in grace give us all things? Mm-hmm. And so God has enriched us deeply through a promise that he made to Abraham that's going to be a very ragged road between us and here. And of course, it's going to be a very ragged road between us and the final chapter of Scripture, you know, as well. But mm-hmm. God will be faithful every step of the way in spite of our unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. Cindy, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Sure. Father, we thank you for this incredible story. Thank you, Father, that we find ourselves in this story. Father, that you uh, and just your perfect wisdom before beginning of time had all this in your mind and you included us so father we thank you for that just pray that you give us all that we need as we begin to unfurl this beautiful story this narrative father and that we find ourselves in and that we so graciously receive and uh, it's in christ's name we pray amen Amen.